Uh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, Father Abraham had quite an eventful life, didn't he? Called from one of the largest cities in the ancient world, instructed to simply pack up all of his belongings and go out into the wilderness, facing many trials and tribulations there indeed one might expect the chosen vessel of God would walk beside those quiet streams and through those wondrous fields the crops growing up but such was not the case was it Indeed, the chosen vessel of God went through desert sands. He went through dark places. He faced many trials in his adventures, set upon by evil men at times. And yet the hand of the Lord was with him. Even at times it may have seemed to Abraham that the hand of the Lord was not with him as the Lord commanded him to sacrifice his one and only son. Can you imagine waiting all of those years being promised offspring, that your offspring would be as many as the sands upon the seashore and now at the age of a hundred seemingly the promise has fallen by the wayside. And yet miraculously it comes to take place and he has a son. He has an heir. The Lord has been faithful but now must come more trial. Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, take him up on to the mountain, sacrifice him to me. We can well imagine again that Abraham's heart must be breaking. He must be reflecting upon all of those years spent in the desert, spent wandering, spent in trial and hardship, looking forward to those offspring, those children, those grandchildren, and now it's going to be taken away. Now in the depth of that darkness he must have thought to himself, what was it all for? Sure, the Lord kept his promise, but now he's taking it back again. What does this mean? We sometimes cry out as Lutherans. Not spared the trial, not spared the tribulation, facing great evil through the course of his life, even seemingly having God turn against him. Well, dear friends, Martin Luther's life was much the same, wasn't it? 
the great founder of our Lutheran church, that, that mighty man of God, but yet we reflect on what his day-to-day -day life must have been like. Imagine as a young man going against your father's wishes. For we know that Martin Luther's father wanted him to have a great education above all else. He was proud of his son. He was proud to be able to send him to some of the best schools of the day. And then Martin Luther has that experience where he feels compelled to begin to serve the Lord. In that day and time, of course, the route to that was to join a monastery for a young man. Here is Martin Luther's father believing he can be a great attorney someday, that he can rise in the ranks of the, the wealthy and the privileged, and now he gets the word, Dad, I'm joining a monastery. I'm going away into seclusion. I'm going to spend years not interacting with people. And then maybe one day I can become the abbot of the monastery. I'm very fortunate. Well, many of you are fathers. Maybe perhaps for, for some of you, you've received similar news even. And what was your response? It was probably that you maybe blew up at your children, right? You said, what are you thinking? All the money I've provided for your education, it seems like you're throwing it away. What is going on with you? And so Martin Luther begins his career. Well, certainly he rises through the ranks and he uses his education for the benefit of, of those around him, but studying the scripture very carefully, he comes to the conclusion, really, yes, he's the founder of our idea of law and gospel. And one of the things that comes to offend him so very much is that the Roman Catholic Church at the time is just kind of saying, hey, whatever you do, that's okay. Just kind of kick some money back to the church and it'll be fine. But it's that idea of the sale of indulgences. It's kind of that, that basis where people say, oh, you know what, I, I, I don't have to change. I don't have to get any better. I, I can just kind of put some money in the collection plate and everything will be fine. In fact, the, the last book in our Old Testament, Malachi 2.16, it talks about the Lord's anger against people who say, the Lord just loves everyone and everything will be okay no matter what you do. How often do we hear that in our current society? 
The, the Lord just loves everyone and everything you do is going to be okay no matter what you do. Well, Malachi 2.16 says the Lord hates that. He hates that concept. He hates that idea. And Martin Luther, he came to understand that you can't just buy your way into heaven. You can't just pay some indulgences and claim everything is going to be okay. That there has to be something more. And that something more is the concept that Jesus Christ changes people's lives. That's really what the gospel is. That I repent of my sin. What does that mean? It means I turn from it. It means I don't do it anymore. It means that my life is a life that was changed. It means that Jesus means so much to me, things become different. I'm not just throwing money in the collection plate and hoping everything will be okay, that I can pay off my many sins, but rather, I'm somebody new. I stopped doing that old thing. And now I'm doing something different. I'm praising Christ. I'm coming to the, the church on Sunday. I'm singing the great old hymns instead of listening to ear-bleeding rap music, you know? I have become something different. And again, just kind of using a, a silly example, but you know, something a lot of kids do, right? You know, maybe you used to pick your nose in public, right? And you know, you see little kids and you know, they got their, their finger up their nose and they're, and they're picking their nose, right? Now, what, what does it mean to repent of that? It means that I'm going to stop picking my nose simply because my mom and dad said, hey, that's terrible, stop it. You know? Yeah, we see some, some kids that haven't repented, right? Because, well, as a school bus driver, sometimes I look up in the mirror and there's a, a, a kid and he's maybe in junior high. I got his finger up his nose. Ha, has he repented? No, he hasn't repented. Right? He's still doing it. It's still taking place. And dear friends, our Lord, He comes to us and He gives us His Ten Commandments and He says, you know, this is how things ought to be. From time to time we find that we've maybe broken some of those commandments. What is our responsibility, our obligation? It is that we would turn from our sin. It means that I felt so bad about that thing that I did that I decided not to do it anymore. I don't want to grieve God. I don't want God to be upset with me. I want my relationship with God to be strong and solid. And so I turn from those things. I because of the love that God has shown me, want to show my love in return. I want to follow Christ. 
And so then, every morning, I began to get up and I began to say, Lord, how can I serve you today? And I go to God in prayer and I say, Lord, I'm really tempted in this area of my life. Will you help me? Will you strengthen me? I began to say, Lord, how can I reach out to others? How can I help them to serve you more? And see, Martin Luther was able to put all of that together. And he was able to begin to teach to the, the people in Germany and the surrounding communities that, right, we can't just buy our way into heaven. Right, we actually have to repent of our sins. We have to change our lives. And we do that by the power and grace of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We have the law, we have the gospel. We, we have to change. Here's how we can do it. We need to repent. Here's the power to make a difference. We have that wonderful combination. And of course, what did Martin Luther receive for that word of grace? He received hatred, didn't he? In fact, he had to hide out in the castle of, of one of the, the fellows of that generation, you know, masquerading as a, a knight because people sought his death. He didn't just spend the time hoping, though. He translated the Old Testament into German for the people. And he went through dark times. And went through the times when he was fearful that his life would be taken. And he struggled. And, and he was in arguments and he was in conflict. And, and he persevered, though, in order to make a better way. And dear friends, as you know, we've gathered together today to honor Pastor Bowling. And many of you, you, you spent time through the years with him. Brian, I, I believe that you were confirmed by Pastor Bowling back in that day. And his story, you know, very very similar to the great heroes of the faith I've laid before you this morning. As a, a farmer, kind of ending his time, his career, wanting to pass his farm on to his son, he made the decision that he would go to the seminary. And so he didn't come here as, as a, a young man coming to his first church, but he came here as a, an experienced Christian who spent his lifetime, yes, you know, fighting his own battles, battles against sin, battles against darkness, battles where he overcame, didn't he? Because, you know, we, we don't see kind of, you know, we need people who failed a lot deciding they're going to go to seminary and then, you know, teach other people what, how to 
not make it, but no. We find elderly men who are strong in the faith going to the seminary because they themselves have led their families and they've led their communities. And they know right from wrong. And so Pastor Bowling graduating from the seminary, he came here to St. Peter Lutheran Church as a strong man of God. He came into the confirmation program and, and he said, you know what, none of these guys and gals in this program can be confirmed because they don't know their stuff yet. That first confirmation class with him, they had to you know, meet a couple times a week. And he was insistent that they be well trained, that they be brought up in that word of God, that they be the kind of men and women that God would want them to be. And that very same atmosphere permeated his entire ministry, didn't it? Now, he was there for you folks. And he, he was there to help you, you know, rebuild your, your barns when, when you know, they collapsed or help you with your garages when they needed some repair. He was out in the community and he was helping people. He was living out his faith every day. From what I understand, he, he, he drove the school bus too. I had, and people reported to me, you know, they, they'd be driving to town and, and there would be Pastor Bowling with, in, in his bus sitting on the side of the road and they knew, right, that some kid had been misbehaving and, and Pastor Bowling was, you know, administering some correction. Right? That people need that law. They need to be told right from wrong. They need to have correction at times. Because we're not just going to make it into to heaven because we say, oh, everything is okay. Just throw some money in the collection plate. Come on. I'll say a, a, a couple words and it'll be wonderful. Know that we need Jesus Christ. Well, dear friends, Father Abraham, he went up on that mountain. He was obedient to the Lord. He took his son Isaac along. Probably with fear and, and trembling, not even understanding what could possibly happen. Until he raised the knife above his boy. And then the word of the Lord came to him and said, You have not spared your son, your only son Isaac. Behold, the ram caught in the thicket. That will be the sacrifice for today. We see Father Abraham, that great hero of the faith from those thousands of years ago, he experienced everything just as we do today, didn't he? 
It wasn't somehow that he had a real smooth ride. It wasn't somehow that he experienced all these great blessings and everything was wonderful. No, he lived in the desert. He, he had to survive in the wilderness. He led a, a rough life of trial and struggle. And yet we're told, Father Abraham died. And he was gathered into the presence of his loved ones. Well, dear friends, Martin Luther's story, you know, it, it becomes very similar. For Martin Luther, lying upon his deathbed, the people surrounding him, they said to him, Martin, do you believe in Jesus Christ, your Savior? And Martin Luther clearly said yes. He closed his eyes. And his body grew cold. And he passed from this world. He too gathered into the presence of his loved ones. And dear friends, it was the same as well for Richard Bowling this past week. A faithful man of God throughout his entire life, a faithful pastor here in this church for 17 years. You well remember all of the great things that he did for you, for this community, for our church. Remember him as a role model, as an example, as one you could depend on to tell you the truth. And dear friends, this last week, Pastor Bowling closed his eyes as well. And he was gathered into the arms of his brethren. Today, he gets to talk with Martin Luther. Today he gets to speak with Father Abraham. Today his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaks these words to him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter now into the joy of your Master. Amen.